and welcome. This is the Three Point Podcast. My name is John Gustin. There's been a couple, maybe you could say false starts or calls for traveling, but we're uh, back now and I'm going full at it. And I thought the best time to jump into this right away would be with the start of NBA Free Agency. It's coming Sunday. And as we're all somewhat long-suffering, somewhat not suffering Pistons fans, I, in this state, at least for professional basketball, I thought this would be the right way to approach it. I have been a diehard on Pistons or Reddit, Twitter, and Detroit Bad Boys. And way back in the day, I used to uh, hang out with uh, Dan Feldman of Piston Powered. Uh, so I, I've enjoyed my time with the Pistons community. Right now, I've got three members of the Pistons writing staff and Pistons Twitter with me. And we're just going to go around. Uh, first up, uh, you know him best as Lazarus Jackson. Hi, Laz. How's it going? Uh, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I heard your uh, podcast earlier this week, and I really enjoyed it. It's it's always nice. I listen to a couple national podcasts, but it is nice to have some guys uh, show the local team some love. And especially, you know, no one cares about on a national level uh, what's going to happen to Ish Smith, but that's something that kind of seems to be near and dear to our hearts. Oh, definitely. And, you know, I think that's, I hope that's something that uh, we'll be able to give you when we do our own podcast later this week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I got myself subscribed i use podcast addict uh, still waiting for google play to fin- finish or figure out the best way to implement it anyways moving on from me ranting about random apps for android we're going to eric black here eric uh you're known best for pistons powered and twitter what is your handle and uh, how is it going over there hey so my twitter name is at uh the pizza roll d-a uh pizza roll um for all those uh, out there. Um, I just started writing for Piston Powered uh, back in May, and uh, I'm a broadcast arts student at Washington Community College, so um, sports has always been a passion of mine, so in broadcasting in general. So, um, yeah, that's what brings me here, I suppose. Well, great to have you, and definitely uh, I, I went to Delta College before I went to Ferris State University, and I enjoyed my time there, and it was a great learning experience. So glad to have you. And then last but not least, rounding out our trio of guests today, we have Hal. Uh, Hal how do you say your Twitter handle, and uh, what are you up to? Uh, I say it Halbridius, H-A-L-B-R-I-D-I-O-U-S, and I'm up to absolutely nothing right now. Yes, I mean, it kind of works out best that way if we're not trying to multitask during a podcast. I've had that happen a few times, and uh, it's interesting when kids or other stuff break into the background. But thank you all for making time today. Now, Pistons, they do seem to have a few moves today. We're going to break down just the basic numbers, how it looks right now. I do not have the spreadsheet. I have thought about subscribing to the Patreon of Nate Duncan from the Dunk Down Podcast, but I have not gotten there yet. Looking at it more or less ballpark how it looks is the Pistons, they are at 120 in cap space. That gives them the ability to use the mid-level exception, the non-taxpayers version, around $9 million. And then the biannual exception, which is around $3 million. And then that will be enough to snag two players to round out the list. Now, right now, looking at the Pistons roster, the big holes right now seem to be backup point guard. There's no one behind Reggie Jackson under contract, unless we're counting the two-way uh, with a bone. And then... Also looking at maybe more depth in the wing, a backup center, a backup four. Uh, those all seem to be pretty thin. Laz, starting off with you, where do you think the Pistons need to focus their efforts first? So I think we, we heard in the press conference 
for uh, the introduction for Sekou Dumbuyo that uh, the Pistons were going to be looking to focus their efforts at point guard. I agree with that. Uh, it seems it's like it's really easy to get a quality point guards on the market with the full mid-level exception. I personally am uh, hoping that they go after Darren Collison first. I've talked to some Indiana, the former Indiana Pacer. I've talked to some other Indiana writers and uh, people around the team. They seem to think that it'll take the, the full mid-level to get Darren Collison. That's a little bit more than I would like to pay him, but uh, ultimately I think a key uh, fits the the best criteria for, for what the Pistons need. Both a guy who can who can lead the offense, uh, play next to Reggie Jackson, uh, hit shots from deep, and, uh, and a guy who could even start in a pinch if something were to happen to Reggie, which as we've seen uh, over the last couple of years, when something happens to Reggie, the season uh, tends to turn badly pretty quickly. And more or less the same focus. Eric, where do you view the Pistons' biggest need, and who do you want as the perfect signing for that? Well, I think point guard is... I think, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head last. That's really the position that um, they should be focused on. Uh, everyone, I think, in as far as in Pistons Twitter, I think Seth Curry is the guy that it seems like everybody wants. Um, I'm not so certain they're going to be able to get him for that $9 million mid-level exception. Um, I, I, I do agree that Collison would be a good fit, although I've, I've been um, on the record saying I'd be fine with um, re-signing-ish um, at a decent price. I don't I think somewhere around five to six million dollars a season again for him could be um, could be beneficial. Maybe you use that on another player, um, but I think backup big man actually um, might rival that point guard spot because last year uh, the third best big man on the team was Zaza Pachulia, and I'm not really certain we can count on Thon McCurr to make solid contributions next year. Um, so I think it's possible. I I, I think it'd be wise. Um, Collison would be great. He's a guy that can shoot well from three. Um, but I think maybe re-signing Ish with his bird rights and signing um, a backup four um, might be the better choice. As far as because point guards, it's, it's going to be tough. There's going to be a lot of teams after a lot of these um, secondary point guards and throwing a lot of money at them. So it might be tough to land somebody that we actually want. And how... Who is your, considering the restrictions that are there, who would your ideal signing be? Ideal signing. Uh, I've been kind of uh, looking at the guy from Washington, Thomas Sadaransky, to fill kind of a a guard spot. Um, He looked really good when Wall went out and when he was starting last year as a guard who can play a little bit of the one and the two. I, I really like the idea of bringing in Dwayne Dedman to fill some of the, the center minutes, but I fear he might just be a little too expensive. I think there's going to be a couple of guys that slip through the cracks when they try and hold out for a great deal, and then suddenly the money's not available. And I'm hoping the Pistons can maybe pounce on one of those guys. Just uh, going to go uh, from left to right, Laz. Do we all think that the Pistons are going to be patient this year, or do we expect that they might try to f- identify a target they think can afford and use that mid-level early? I do think the Pistons uh, will be patient this year. That's what the uh, that's what the front office has said in in public. Um, I think that that was their intention before the uh, the draft went on, where uh, I think they fully intended to get a person who would contribute, uh, be an instant contributor for from from the rookie class, and then Seku fell to them. And so I think the the plan is still there in place um, for them to uh, you know make signings after a lot of the money has already been spent after in like the second week of July or late in the first week of July. 
I, th- I think they're going to be patient. I mean, there, there's no guy out there that they can get reasonably that they should want to, you know, go into luxury tax for. Um, to me, um, I think the team should be patient. There's going to be a lot of guys out there that maybe thought that they were going to get a lot bigger contracts than they thought. Um, and once, you know, a lot of those big level free agents go off the market, um, you're going to, you know, it's going to be like kind of like at the club at three in the morning, you know, you're going to be finding out who's exactly there and, uh, you know, who you're going to be going home with. So um, I, I'd imagine that the Pistons, they should be patient. They, um, And honestly, they don't have a ton of cap space. So it's, you know, I, I'm not I'm not certain they really have enough to be as aggressive as maybe they might want to be. And, and from all um it looks like the front office has even said as much. They're going to be patient in the offseason. I think we're all kind of on the same page. I mean, we, we all have some uh, haunted memories of, what is it, Cartier Martin and uh, John War guys, Galloway, who signed decent-sized contracts that really wound up stringing up the Pistons' cap space for years to come when later you see signings that would have been of better value later on there. Is there anybody underrated, Hal, that you're looking at that maybe doesn't fit a position of need, but would be a great value signing for the Pistons or really any team? Oh, Sadaransky was kind of my guy like that, where I think he might slip and be a little overlooked because he, he's never put up kind of crazy stats or anything, but he does a little bit of everything and can fill a couple different positions. Yeah, I, I agree that I do like the idea of Sadaransky as a point guard who can play on or off ball because of his side. He can do the catch and shoot well, kind of like a Darren Collison, but a little bit taller and younger. So I, I do like his fit there. Now, going around this, so we all see that the point guard is the biggest issue of need. Do we think that Thon Maker or the current set of the Pistons have is a viable option, at least for, let's say, the first two, three months of the season, the start of the season, where they're you know trying to maintain position at least or get off on the right foot? Is he a viable option at the backup four, five for the Pistons, or is that something else they're going to need to invest in? We'll start off with Laz. Uh, I would prefer to give him the first crack at it. They uh, they obviously think very highly of him. They traded a guy in Stanley Johnson that the um, that the previous front office had made a really big commitment to. Um, I think that for Son, really, the, just the difference is the shots need to go in more often. Um, he's I don't think he'll ever be a an extremely effective uh, like anchor of a defense. But if he's a guy who's out there, you know, making energy plays. Uh, hitting open threes and uh, being a presence uh, as a weak side defender, I think that that kind of guy can definitely have value. And so you want to give him the opportunity to, to be that player when the season starts. Now, obviously, if he doesn't if he doesn't uh, fulfill that role right away, you know, you can give the role to somebody else, as as was done with Stanley Johnson. But uh, but yeah, I would give Don the first crack at it. Now, Eric, looking at the second unit, looking at rotation. I don't think anybody necessarily anticipates great levels of production from Seku. So I think we all see the athletic potential there. Do you see him sharing the court with Thon, Eric, or do you think that they might try to keep them split up just because of maybe some overlapping skill sets and abilities and weaknesses at the same time? I'm not sure Seku is going to really see a ton of minutes, honestly, in this first year. Um, um, uh, it, it's, it's, it's rare for 19 year olds. I mean, he's going to, well, he doesn't turn 19 until what December. Um, so I, it'd be tough to see 
Sekou really cracking much of the rotation, I'd say, early on. I'd say for that last question, though, as far as the backup center uh, for position, I'd really love to see somebody like JaVale McGee uh, get a chance, um, maybe signing you know, close to a veteran min- uh, minimum, essentially. Um, a guy who's really proven himself to be a dependable backup. Um, and I really think um, then, you know, if, if, if point guard is the team's priority moving forward, signing someone young and cheap like JaVale um, would give you at least a third competent big man. Um, Thon, I'm just not certain as of yet that he's ready to make NBA-level contributions, um, as well as with Seku. Um, I really, I'm, I'm really actually happy that the team got Tony Snell. I think he's probably the best small forward they've had in at least in the last five years. So I think that'll give him, that'll give him some time uh, to sit on the bench and maybe you know do some stints in the G League and get a lot of playing time because um, I'm just not certain he's going to see a lot of it in the NBA um, early on. So then who do you imagine will be the backup small forward for the Pistons if Snell is penciled in as the starter? Well, last year they had Kennard play a lot of minutes at small forward. Now, obviously, he's poised to be the starter at shooting guard this year. Um, Bruce Brown, I, I'd imagine Norse Fee, uh, might be able to uh, play a lot of those small forward minutes. I'd, I'd especially like to see Svee, um maybe get some get some run, and let's see what you know he can do. Obviously, he's a guy who we all um, know as a shooter, but we're not really – we just haven't seen very much of him. Um, so I'd maybe like to see him at the small forward position, probably Bruce Brown as well. Um, and Kennard in very, you know, small amounts. Um, but Kennard primarily would be the shooting guard this year. Unlike last year, we played majority of the small forward minutes. And how, where do you see the Pistons kind of working out the rotation from the three to the five positions? Where do you at least see the current guys on the roster, what their roles will be? I think you're going to see a lot of Seku playing the three and the four just because you need a body like his on the floor um they don't they don't have anyone even with snell there really to guard a Giannis or, or anything else if, if snell gets in foul trouble you're struggling there um i'm on the record is not really trusting Thon maker a whole lot i don't think his defense is nearly as impactful as it looks on first glance um so i, I really hope they find a backup center that they trust and uh, I'd, I'd be willing to spend money to find that backup center that you trust, someone like an Ed Davis or that Dwayne Dedman kind of guy. Um, I think the shooting guard rotation between Kennard and Bruce Brown and Kyrie Thomas is there's there's bodies there, Langston Galloway, there's bodies to fill those minutes. Um, so it's just we're waiting on that free agent point guard of some kind and waiting on somebody to fill the center minutes. Now, is there, so you said Ed Davis, you're kind of looking for a, a backup big, as someone to help fill that. You said Ed Davis is a good target for it. Do you think that the Pistons are going to look for someone to kind of fill a traditional big man role? Or do you think that they they might look for someone to maybe, who plays power forward, but maybe, maybe slide more to the five? I think flexibility is always great. I don't know how many guys there are available that have that kind of four or five flexibility. Um, especially guys that are not going to be maybe a little more expensive because everybody wants somebody like that. I'm really curious to see what's going to happen this year. Uh, one player I've really liked, kind of there's the few stretch fours around the league uh, year after year. You kind of see him move around. Channing Fry, he's, he's aged out of the league, it seems. But guys like uh, Jamichael Green or also uh, not necessarily Mike Scott, but then 
Oh my goodness, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. There was another one I really liked out of a stretch four. I, I think I'm just stuck on Jermichael Green because I like him so much. And I think he would be an interesting fit, but it's also going to be interesting to see where he gets money, especially going from the Clippers and what they do with their cap space. And I think uh, from what I have read a lot and, uh, and I've heard a lot is that a lot of the Pistons moves, I think, will be kind of predicated off of figuring out what the best values at the position will be after kind of maybe the alpha teams in terms of cap space make their moves. Laz, mm -hmm. in an ideal scenario, what would you see the Pistons doing with free agency and their kind of their roster coming into the start of the season? Uh, I think the I think the biggest thing for them to do would be uh, to acquire back a point guard like we talked about to to acquire back a big man. I, I'm 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 envisioning a guy like uh, Acousta Kofus or a, a Robin Lopez. Robin Lopez might be a little bit more on the expensive side. But just a, a veteran, uh, experienced big man who will be able to actually play 80 plus games, uh, unlike Zaza was last year. Zaza was great for the first 30 or so games of the season, but then uh, you could tell like the age and the, the wear and tear of the NBA was kind of getting to him. And so uh, I'm looking for a big man who offers that veteran presence, but that will actually be able to play uh, throughout the entirety of the season and whose quality of play won't dip uh, as Zaza's. Did. I think that that'll be the key. And Justin, I, I I gotta tell you, I gotta I gotta drop off. I apologize, but uh, this has been great. Uh, it's been good talking to you, Eric, and Hal. And uh, I, I can't wait until the podcast comes out. Thank you again, Justin, so much for having me on. No problem. Thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. And then there were two going forward. Eric, what do you really want out of free agency in terms of the Pistons moves? And then where are you looking at large in free agency in terms of? the general player movement what are you keeping your eye on well i would say for that for the second part i'm i'm looking to see what durant does i'm looking to see what Kawhi does all the big stars obviously that's going to be a lot of fun to watch as far as the pistons go um i'm actually hoping that they don't sign derrick rose i think that would be a really big mistake for the team um i just think that <laughs> minnesota i think minnesota got the value out of him that no one else is going to next season um, if there's any, uh, his history, uh, with injury is very well known. Um, his history off the court is also very well known. And I just feel like last year was a really big fluke. Um, he obviously is a talented player still. I'm not going to say he can't play or shouldn't play, but if you're looking, f if you're criticizing Ish Smith's defense out there, I mean, Derek Rose, you know, not exactly known for playing defense. Um, I really think that last year was you know the year that one team got the value out of them and next year someone's going to overpay for him and i just hope that isn't us um and i would say for the big man um actually one interesting name i hope maybe might have a chance is willie Colley stein out of sacramento um he's still a restricted free agent but um we're not really certain what sacramento is going to do with all the cap space and um i think that would be a guy that um could make a difference in the second unit. Um, there aren't a whole lot of big men out on the market this year um, that are going to make, you know, huge impacts. I would say, um, Deadman obviously is a guy that people talk about a lot. Um, it looks like Vucevic is staying in Orlando. Um, you don't know what Demarcus Cousins is going to do, but otherwise, um, it's kind of, you know, it, they're, it's pretty thin out there in the big man market. So maybe somebody like Willie Cauley Stein, if they can pry him away from Sacramento, might be nice. Yeah, there, I think it's going to be really interesting this year because there, there's an, a mix of some f restricted free agents, but then there's lots of teams with money, and because there's so much competition, it doesn't quite feel 
as dangerous as 2016, but I feel like there can be some moves made where because so many teams have gone with the shorter-term deals and have tried to avoid overspending long-term, that this year some teams might get slightly over-competitive and there will be a lot of good value players under uh, left over after at the initial mm-hmm. pickings, you could say, especially with, I mean, half the NBA is in free agency. That is got to be just from a logistical standpoint the phone calls and decision making that has to be made going from front office to players to agents the nba i don't even know if there's a structure really in place to handle that much amount and it's going to be a couple guys left holding at the end of the bench more or less instead of getting stuck with a limited playing time they're just gonna be stuck with small money and that that will you know presumably carry over to 2021 where the class there uh, unfortunately when the pistons decide to actually or not decide when the pistons it works out that they'll have cap space Next year's free agency is is not looking great. I mean, the only point guard that I've seen on that market that looks somewhat uh, amenable is Fred Van Vliet. And I'm not sure if I would want to pay him $28 million a year, kind of, you know, close to max level money uh, to get him out of Toronto and make him a starting point guard. So I- I'm curious to see how this year's moves kind of set up the Pistons for next year, all things considered. Now, how... Part of what happens next year, too, is Andre Drummond has the player option. And uh, there's been a lot of talk. Uh, Vooch, I think, well, there was uh, four years. Was it 90 million is a number I've seen thrown around, which would maybe set the market for Drummond. And that would kind of put him around kind of his, a little under his current contract, but long-term money that could be interesting. Do you think Drummond will stay with Detroit, or do you think that Detroit should move him this offseason or sometime during this year? I think there's all the incentive in the world for him to stay. Um, you never know what's going to happen in a year. You never know if he's going to really um, – right, right now he's kind of in between, I think in a lot of people's minds, the max and what he's currently making. And if he comes out and really has uh, the kind of year where he, he had the second half of this season where he was just that dominant, he might really creep closer towards the max, and that's going to get a lot riskier. And if somebody el- offers that to him, um, I think I think there's a decent chance he leaves. I think this is it's Detroit's in a good spot where they can offer him something uh, in that 25 per year range, and uh, you know, at, kind of as an opener next free agency if he decides to opt out. And they're going to feel good that they're not insulting him with that kind of deal. And then they can negotiate from there. And I think that's a comfortable spot for both parties. Yeah, I think I think there is value into keeping Drummond. But I'm also kind of curious, like long-term wise, keeping a guy who, who is more of a traditional big man, but he does have historic rebounding numbers. What's the right level of value? And is he maybe a better complementary piece to get once you kind of have your core, you know, your point guard and your uh, star forward, once you have those set, kind of, you know, your third banana who could really put a team over the top, kind of like you see with Clint Capella in Houston, or maybe you could almost say Tobias Harris uh, in Philly, as in he's a really good guy who deserves his money, but maybe not someone you're going to invest until all the other important stuff is set. I think uh, when it comes to, to Andre, that 25 million mark is kind of right where his value is in my mind. And if you can keep him there, um, you know, if, if he ends up with like a $40 million cap hit going forward, that's just a lot more than even he can provide. I do think his value defensively, especially the way he was playing towards the end of the season is worth that. 
even uh, next to Blake. Um, and then, it, you know, he does need a second offensive star next to him. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily max Andre, but I think if you can get the value for him in that 25, 27 range, it really is worth keeping him around because you need somebody next to Blake who can really own the paint. And Andre was doing that this year. And do you agree, Eric? Yeah, I think it makes sense for both sides, really. Um, Andre on the open market, you know, it's it's. I'd be really interested to see what teams offer him, especially considering, like you said, he plays a more traditional style. And in really in, in today's NBA, it kind of serves you to have a center. It was more of a mercenary position. Um, somebody like Brooke Lopez, who comes in and makes like $2 million and um, makes a huge impact for your team. Um, uh, that's that position has just become so interchangeable now. And obviously there are guys at that position that make a huge difference. Obviously Anthony Davis is one of those guys. It's not that, um, you know, the top level guys can't still make a huge impact, but somebody like Andre, who's a limited, very limited shooter. Um, he's improved his free throw shooting. And I think it's encouraging to see him make improvements in that area and in his passing as well. Um, I do, I do think he pairs well with Blake. However, um, it does hurt them to not have that flexibility at other wing positions because obviously I think now it's pretty much a guards league or, you know, it's, it's, it's hard if you're not getting value out of your center position and Andre, they're going to have to pay him. Um, they're going to have to pay him to keep him. Obviously, um, you know, he's already worth his, what he is now. I don't see him taking much of a pay cut. Um, so it's going to be tough. I want to see what the Pistons do with that but i'd like to see andre back in detroit i think he's a very good player um as far as the last question however though with the small forward with tony snell i've seen a lot of people talk about um kind of make some criticism about taking on cap space than for 2021 um i really think that if you're a pistons fan you have to understand that detroit is never going to be a free agent destination so you make moves that give you good players now, I think. I don't think you're going to want to wait for next year um, to try and get something good. I I really thought the move to flip John Luer, who was essentially a useless player on our squad, um, to get somebody like Tony Snell, who is a, you know, a very good shooter um, and I, in a position of need, I thought that that was absolutely the right move to make. Um, I thought that that was, actually, that was a really good move for Detroit. So I'm not as concerned about adding cap space in the future, um, especially if you get guys that, you know, are the, you know, Tony Snell at $12 million is not a terrible value. Um, it's about what you expect for a guy who can play competent defense and shoot competently from outside. So I, I, I'm of the opinion that that was actually a really good move for the team. You essentially got one useless man out of your team and added somebody who's going to, you know, play 30 minutes a night. And I, I really do want to applaud you with the, Pistons are not going to be the cap space team. I remember like all excited, like, hey, the Pistons are going to go after DeMar Carroll back when he had his contract year, or, or Danny Green, you know, they're going to make the big free agency splash, or ooh, are they going to get Josh Smith, or man, what Well, that's the only time like we've with, ever uh, really fa- Like, when we go hard at free agency, we've failed Chauncey Billups. miserably. Yeah, it, not Chauncey. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, sorry. No, no. Uh, Charlie Villanueva, big, different different guy with a C. But, but, I mean, exactly. Yeah. yeah the last time the Pistons had a, a free agent that was actually like a positive contributor was when they brought Ben Wallace back. <laughs> that that's it's that far. Well, back. And, 
I would say Ish Smith was. Yes, that, been that, that would good be the, the only other value signing I would say. I mean, Galloway has been hot and cold and has been been helpful at times, but is the the slight overpay and the length of his contract does not line up with where where it is. But yeah, I would agree that Ish because just considering how many years we saw of a, a vacuum at backup point guard, that at least having a reliable second option instead of having to I mean Steve Blake, okay. Um, but instead of having to rely on the <laughs> oldest guy with the wheels falling off, instead of having to rely on the, the oldest man that they can find and putting him out there, it, it's been nice Raquel to have a, a real player there. And so that's where I, I'm interested in my dream scenario with all of this. I'm looking at with Boston right now. And so, so this is where kind of everything comes together in terms of all the interconnecting pieces. Boston, what it looks like, I think, is they can get to $32 million if they uh, renounce the rights to Rozier and Marcus Morris. I am hoping in, in my perfect, my very perfect world, that's not going to happen because it, it's just too many too many ifs, ands, or buts. Marcus Morris comes back to Detroit, player coach with Dwayne Casey, signs four years for the four-level, uh, four-year uh, mid-level exception. Nine years, uh, sorry, $9 million a year-ish starting off. It escalates up from there uh, based off of raises. You lock down a s- solid 3-4 who can shoot, who can either start or back up multiple positions. From there, you kind of find value at point guard position, which has always been playing with fire for Detroit. But I think there's a couple guys out there that you could get with the BAE. I think the Nets, if then you know you get Kyrie and Durant there, they're going to have to waive guys like Travion Graham, who I like as a project small forward. But then, more importantly, Shabazz Napier, who I keep stumping for, who does seem to be very healthy, run back up point guard well, and shoot well. I think those are your two value moves you can sign there to build up depth and then pick up any guy from Robin Lopez to uh, any, anything down the board, even Eric Moreland, bring one of those guys in on the minimum. I think you might, in the real world, have to cut back on the BAE in order to use a vet's minimum for cap space reasons or even the middle level exception. But I think that the Pistons really could use one more wing, a backup center on a vet's minimum, and a competent backup point guard that could you know start in spots and then if they want to get real crazy you know sign a third string point guard and let bowen just develop this year in the g league because as we've seen with detroit they really do need a third string competent point guard and where do you get a third string point guard that is okay sitting the bench unless you have him playing at the two it's a weird dynamic but we have seen it in detroit where they have had to use jose calderon in case of emergency and it is been the worst thing ever well didn't they use galloway at point guard a lot last year uh, they they attempted to but van um not van gundy but van gundy did try to play him a little bit there too galloway i remember watching him with the knicks year a couple years ago before he came to detroit he did play point guard decently well there but i think that also might have been decent rotation player on a bad team looking better by comparison and it, mm-hmm. his experiments at point guard fizzled out pretty quickly i mean that's why they brought in uh Oh my goodness! The he went from New Orleans to Chicago, uh, backup point guard Jameer Nelson. There we go. I had to describe his yeah. path. They brought in Jameer Nelson, thinking he could kind of spot minutes, and that didn't work out so well. But they needed someone with true point guard skills just to hold down the fort. So I'm thinking if a couple of those moves happen, I mean the perfect starting lineup where I think the Pistons could be based off of their small financial abilities, and then they could stay competitive. Unfortunately, this does bench my boy Luke Kennard, who I really do think should be the starter in Detroit over Brown. But that another podcast, we'll save that later. Brown versus Kennard, who you got? Uh, 
perfect scenario right now would be Reggie Jackson, Tony Snell, Marcus Morris, Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond. Off the bench, you have Shabazz or whatever value point guard you sign who's competent. Jeremy Lin, maybe he's healthy. We'll see from there. Jeremy Lin, Luke Kennard, Siaku, and then Morris can slide around there. Griffin can slide around there. Maybe even Thon, you keep him out there. I think you're just staggered at the backup, and then your vets min center. I think a team like that, it has quite a lot of switching potential. They're shooting there with Morris. They're shooting there with Snell. And then there's the length there that really, that sounds frisky to me in the East. I mean, that could really put them around. A, not By frisky, I mean, you know, a four or five seed fun like Indiana. It's not yeah. going to be great. It's not going to put them over the top. But I think as Blake's contract here is a disservice, at least not to do what you can. Maybe you don't sell the complete farm right. to get Blake Griffin, you know, a second or third seed that's going to get drummed out in the second round of the NBA playoffs, but do a best effort to be competitive. And I think next year you use the cap space uh, to acquire a player in a trade with value, maybe move out a pick, uh, go something like that. The one maybe piece to put them over top for one more year and then tear down from there. I don't know. Am I, am I sounding crazy? It's not crazy to me. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I've said for a while now that, you know, they kind of have a very natural window uh, when Blake's contract is up or the last year of Blake's contract where if they, you know, if they don't love where they're at, it's kind of a very natural time to tear it down. So get one, two more years where you're trying to have some playoff success and get, you know, a round or two in the playoffs and see what's left after it's done. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of where we all kind of see the timeline, at least for me is that Blake Griffin's contract, it's not like the Pistons are going to go super max to re-sign Griffin again, just at his age with the injuries and all that. It does, I think it takes him to year 32, which seems about right for a guy where his talent, he can maybe fade a little bit back if you can bring another piece in and then start over from there considering the investment. Though, I also don't think the Pistons need to tear it down completely to the studs because as we've seen with Milwaukee and the Raptors and other teams, if you can stay competitive and you push the right buttons eventually, you can kind of become a hot team. I mean, the Hawks, though, they went the opposite direction. They were a very, very solid team. They got drummed out of the uh, what Eastern Conference Finals by LeBron, and then they tore everything down. Where do you think the Pistons should go in the future, Eric? Do you think that they should maybe stay the course, uh, maybe move on from Griffin, but you know try to be solid without maybe signing Charlie Villanueva again? Or do you think that they should go full rebuild and kind of tank? Uh, I think this question, especially with Pistons fans, is a very polarizing one. Because I remember when the Blake Griffin trade happened and people, I, I for myself, I was pretty excited. I was happy to see it, see a big move happen, especially because the Pistons, you know, don't make big moves like that. Um, honestly, I feel like last year, the Blake Griffin, Griffin experience was a success. Um, even though you only made it as an eight seed, I felt like Blake had, you know, played some of the best basketball of his career. A very close eight seed. See, let's be uh, fair to the Pistons it, that you know it's very few games separating the six, seven, and eight seed. Uh, exactly. And, and yeah. they were they were right there for most of the year, and you know some stuff faded mm -hmm. away and some broke away, but it right. it was, it was right there with everybody really else. Really cost them. You know, Ish missing a lot of time last year. Um, uh, really hurt them. They went eight and eighteen uh, during the games that Ish didn't play, and thirty-three and twenty-three when he did. So, I mean, that's part of the reason why I think Ish could come back 
I think he's still a positive difference maker. I know he has flaws, um, but I feel like he's somebody that can, I don't know, can still bring a sort of, um, you know, a mentality that there's not a whole lot of, uh, you know, I remember when Reggie Jackson was doing um, the dance uh, next to Blake Griffin when he was like kind of, you know, talking about how, you know, upset he was uh, the sort of with the attitude of the team yeah, where everyone's like, this isn't going to work. We need to yeah. ship him out. Yeah, exactly. And 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 Ish has been that guy. I mean, he's been written a lot about in the athletic um, as a guy that people look up to on this team. And I really still think um, with, you know, guy like Ish with, with Blake Griffin, with Andre Drummond now, I mean, he's coming into what is seventh or eighth season. Um, you got some guys that, you know, you should be trying to win around. Um, I don't see, especially with Drummond, I don't see anyone trading for him and giving you any value in return. Um, I think you might have to uh, even, you know, maybe give up a first round pick just because of his salary. It'd be tough to, give somebody a value same with Blake as well and I think that's why you trade for him and, and keep him as long as you can I think this team would be mistaken to tank I think especially now um as, well even though New Orleans essentially tanked at the end of the season they ended up getting the number one pick that's it, it's possible they got that very lucky it was like a pseudo half tank, a tanking team but it broke the right way for them and they were exactly able to move. yeah and I think we, we talked a little bit about like the centers who are you know electric NBA superstars and they kind of are guys who maybe not electric superstars but guys who can switch between two positions you know LeBron mm -hmm. can do the three and the four you've got guys like uh uh Al Horford who can do the four and the five Davis is or the Durant four and five. can play center I mean uh, well, basically yeah, well yeah Durant's rebounding I think was always underrated because he's what seven one but he lies about his height or they lie about his height because he didn't well, want to play um, center traditionally He's six nine to basketball players, but he said to the ladies, he's seven feet tall. So, yeah, no, yeah. you know, do it, with that what you will. You look at pictures. Uh, I think what, Julius Randall's about six nine. He's he's significantly taller. He's noticeably taller than Randall. Yeah, and guys like that. So yeah, I Pretty think it'll be very interesting to see yeah. where that goes. And so I think finally, okay, well actually, second to last question uh, before we let uh, you both off the hook. So we talked about you mentioned Eric about trading Drummond and and the value is you'd have to maybe attach a pick a sweetener there something that's been brought up a couple times people over the years another reclamation project but that's kind of how it works with the Pistons would you move Drummond for Hayward and who would have to give up a sweetener or would it be an even swap Ugh. you mean you mean Gordon Hayward uh, yes I don't know I don't know oh, oh no I <laughs> <laughs> no way would I be trying to uh, – yeah. Gordon Hayward's a good player, right? He's not a guy who's going to make you a world beater by any stretch of the imagination. He's a guy that's probably supposed to be your third or fourth best player if you're on a championship team. I don't see the value in moving Drummond for somebody like that, for somebody that you know isn't going to take you to the next level. I think Drummond, I mean, he's only 25 years old. Um, giving up on him for somebody, you know, the profile of Gordon Hayward, if that injury doesn't happen, that, okay, it looks a little better. But even then, you know, Gordon Hayward's making a lot more money, or not a lot more money, but I, I just, I would I would think Boston would actually have to give up assets to get rid of him for Drummond especially. So to put this um, into clarification I, really quick, Hayward, 
Uh, he's got a two-year, $32 million contract left. Okay. Drummond's two years left in his contract, player option last year, $27.9 million. I think Hayward also has a player option. I'm not positive. But if okay. it was a straight-up swap, uh, Hayward's 29, Drummond's a little younger, yeah. ha- has had better health too. But Hayward also plays that position of need, a wing where you know versatile, a little bit playmaker, can shoot, do all this stuff. If in theory he came back healthy, how do you think that's a value move, or do you think that the Pistons, because of Drummond's uh, ability to maybe stay longer term, is the better swap? Or, or here? Well, yeah, well I would we'll say just. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I, I was just gonna say to me, Gordon is the kind of guy you're looking for to add to this team right now, with Andre and Blake. He's the kind of guy who he's that that secondary offensive player who can still give you plus defense. That's really interesting to me. To me, I can't move Andre without somehow getting real value out of the center position still. I think um, when you look at the Pistons last year, they were 11th overall in defensive rating, something like that. And you look around, there's nobody on that team who played defense outside Andre. And that's the kind of value he brings to your team. Um, so, you you know, you swap in Hayward, and it's, you know, that's all great. But now I need to find some elite rim protection or I'm still going to struggle because that's not Blake's game. That's, you know, Gordon can't help you with that. Um, I, so I, I think to me, Hayward's the kind of guy you're targeting right now with Andre and Blake together. You're looking for that kind of guy, maybe in that kind of situation where somebody might be ready to give up on him a little bit. And, you know, maybe there's a disgruntled star out there who's on a decent contract where you can bring them in to add to these two. I wouldn't want to swap Andre for one of those guys. So yeah, I, working off that I really quick, oh, so you think he's a good add. Would you then... Next year, let's say he picks up his option. Would you use the Pistons cap space and have more or less trade Hayward into the Pistons cap space and move a smaller piece um, to make that work? Would you think that adding Hayward into cap space, uh, shooting down any other free agency options would be the right move, Hal? I would I would be okay with that. Um you know, you'd still, you still need to find rotation players at point guard and stuff, obviously, because I'm assuming Reggie Jackson would probably be gone at that point. So there's still other questions. But that's the, I would be okay with that kind of move. That's the kind of move. Um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to give him like a super long-term contract because I would still be assuming that once Blake is, is gone, we're kind of trying to do a soft rebuild a little bit. But, um, you know, that's the kind of move you're going to have to swing for if you want to get, you know, an extra couple of playoff wins out of this roster. Do you agree with that, Eric? I I just really don't see the value of Gordon Hayward at this point. I think he's supremely overpaid for what he for what he's worth now. He's got to be um, healthy. I, I, that's that's it, the thing. And and you can't know that for sure. Right. And, you know? and that's I the mean, only way you could get him is a two-year is, injury, probably. But I think somebody like he makes twenty million dollars more than Tony Snell. There's no way he's twenty million dollars more valuable than Tony Snell. I'd say some you could find a reasonable facsimile at that position without having to pay the premium for a guy. Like you said, he's going to be like a second or third option. I'm for Boston. It made sense to make that move because they thought that that was like a prerequisite to them getting somebody like Anthony Davis or Kyrie Irving, for example, like they thought, you know, if we get, you know, if we get Gordon Hayward, we already have Al Horford, then we get the third guy. Um, and then, you know, we make it work from there. Um, but unfortunately for, for Gordon, it just didn't work out that way. You know, breaking his leg on the first game of the season. I just, I just, I, I, I think it'd be kind of, 
especially if you're worried about flexibility in any way, trading for Gordon Hayward doesn't really help you with that at all either. Fair enough. Well, I appreciate both of you taking the time to talk with me. Now, is there anything else you want to talk about free Pistons free agency or the preview of the season? Or do we think we've kind of hit everything we have? Uh, we'll start with Eric. Yeah, I mean, just don't sign Derrick Rose. Okay, don't sign Derrick Rose. Uh, Hal, do you have any parting thoughts you have for Pistons fans or the team? Uh, just the, this uh, this summer, I'm really looking for competency. Uh, not, <laughs> I mean, from the front office, but I mean, more so from the players. You know, I don't want to see that many gambles. You know, find me a point guard who knows how to play point guard. Find me a center who knows how to play center. You know, we're looking for bench players who can come in and contribute. Are you and, telling you me know, you don't want safe. to sign Jabari Parker? No. <laughs> <laughs> stay, stay stay away from the gambles, you know, because um, that was uh, – Eric brought up the Ish Smith record earlier and how bad they were without Ish. And it's like I don't know if that's because Ish is great or if because he was competent and that's all you really need to get this team to be – you know, I think I think if Ish had been healthy, this team is a six seed. So uh, find me some competent players. Uh, Vince Ellis uh, yesterday, I believe, tweeted that uh, Tolliver was the guy who could make his way back. That's the kind of thing that would excite me because I love that kind of guy who just comes in and contributes every day. Yeah, so, no, Tolliver, I think, really considering all the issues Minnesota had, he got short short change there, and I think he would have been a fantastic player if well, used well and I think that was the other player that I was missing when I was having the brain fart and I was Jermichael Green and then one other guy it's Tolliver he, he's the other stretch four out there that I think uh, considering what we've seen with his age and he's not really seemed to slow down for what he brings to a team I think he's a very serviceable backup stretch four one one more guy that I would say that I forgot to mention too was Wayne Ellington this year um, easily Detroit's best shooter um, true shooting percentage of 57%. Our fourth shooting guard, um, but our best one. Right, yeah. And, you know, we got a midseason. I think um, he'd be a guy worth signing if he's not too expensive. I know that would kind of – it would be a pretty big log jam at the, at the shooting guard position. Maybe you play him at the th – they played him at the three uh, a little bit they, last yeah, they year. they did a decent amount of three-guard lineups with that. Yeah, but I, I really think if you can keep somebody like Ellington and you have Kennard and Ellington, both knockdown shooters, that would do really that would do wonders for um, you know, spacing as far as, you know, trying to play those lineups with Blake and, and Andre together. Yeah, especially with uh, if we're talking about knockdown shooting, I mean the best the Pistons ever saw really in terms of spacing around Griffin and things like that, was when you had guys like Tolliver and Bullock knocking down shots and even Kennard when they're so, Yeah. And, well, with Griffin, yes. Ilyasova oh, was, was a yeah. solid stretch four. And, I mean, the moves where they went, you know, Jennings and Ilyasova to uh, Tobias to turn those two contracts into Griffin, and, plus uh, Shea Gilders-Alexander, who looks like a solid point guard, but maybe not a world beater, I think was really smart moves around there. And, you know, Bulk could come back, too, with uh, Davis waving his trade kicker, them kicking everybody out of the Lakers, uh, with Mo Wagner and everybody else going to the Wizards, they have to, they have to they renounce have to, Bullock's bull too. rights if they're going to sign a max contract player. And so that'll be interesting to watch, too. Yeah, I'd like to see Bullock back in Detroit, but LA's got his bird rights. I don't see how they let him go, especially um, if they sign another max player. They're going to no, need they, they, somebody. They have to, to renounce play. it. In order to too. hit the $32 million, they have to renounce uh, his cap hold. 
and oh, so yeah. then that yes. means they wouldn't have the bird rights. But if they go smaller, then yes, they I, I would foresee them keeping them because it's an affordable salary. Like if they split it among a couple players. So that's me nerding out on cap economics. If you want to hear more stuff like that, uh, I personally highly recommend the Dunk Down podcast as I'm shilling for another person's podcast who's not even heard of me. But uh, if you're a hardcore NBA fan, it's good stuff. Where can Pistons fans, if they want to check out your stuff, where can they check you out? So um, I am at on Twitter uh, at the pizza roll, uh, D-A-P-I-Z-Z-A-R-O-L-L. Um, also, if you're looking for um, improv stuff, I uh, do a podcast called From the Blanket For. It's very silly. So um, I do sports uh, for Pistons Powered as well. Um, so I'm on there um, writing and uh, yeah, out there for your uh, funny needs as well. <laughs> and how, where can the listeners find you? You can find me at Halbertius on Twitter, H-A-L-B-R-I-D-I-O-U-S. Uh, you can find me on Reddit there uh, with that name as well. Um, links to random musings and podcasts and whatever will show up on those feeds. So, yeah. And thank you so much for coming on. And the uh, person who had to skip out on us a little bit early, just with uh, this was a very last minute. So I do appreciate both of you coming on uh, with the time constraints. I finally got around to getting this back up and going uh, just in time for free agency, but also in order to get this in front of free agency, it, it became squeezed. But uh, Lazarus Jackson, he was the one who uh, was also on with us, and you can find him at Laz Chance, L-A-Z Chance, on Twitter and at DetroitBadBoys.com. So thank you so much, uh, everyone, for joining us. We will have more coming up. We'll have a Pistons free agency reaction and plenty more content. We're going to break down some Lions and the Michigan, Michigan State in the near future. And so I thank you so much for listening. Remember to like and subscribe at The Three Point on Twitter, also on Facebook. And for more, it's going to be the3point.com as we slowly bring that out and phase that back in. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you all next time.